Greetings! Welcome aboard the Diecast Enterprise. This is Pags. And I'm Foley. And today, it's the big goodbye. Episode 12 of Season 1. You're on Episode 11 of this podcast, but this is technically Episode 12 of The Next Generation. Yay, math! Yeah. So today, it's uh, Picard on the, uh, on the holodeck, pretty much. As we open, the Enterprise is on its way to the Haradan system to talk to some insect people that get really pissy if you don't say everything perfectly. Like they're, they're, they're basically galactic grammar Nazis. They're very big on pronunciation and decorum. Exactly. We join Picard in his ready room, learning the formal greeting that he has to deliver. The first question I had about this mm-hmm. was obviously, why does Picard have to learn how to do this at all when it's completely reasonable and feasible for them to create a fake recording of Picard doing this? It's 2014 and already auto-tune is played out. This is the 24th century. Surely they could have done it that way. Well, I mean, we already know that Data can imitate Picard exactly. And we know that they could create a Picard on the holodeck that could recite anything they wanted him to. But presumably the insect people would be able somehow to detect that this had happened. I guess insulted. So. That might be an act of war. But this leads us to point two. He's learning how to read their language, you know? Like, he's learning that, like, an inverted T turns this sound into that sound, and three wavy lines make this B into a Z or some yep. shit. something like that. And it begs the question, why doesn't Picard just get a script written out for him phonetically? Totally. Yeah. Why does he have to learn the language when it's a standardized greeting, like it is pre-scripted for him. All he has to do is memorize how to say it. It doesn't make any sense. And why is it that it's Counselor Troy who's helping him with this? She's she's qualified. Is she? I don't know. Sure. Why not? He clearly is having anxiety issues with it and needs uh, a friendly shoulder to lean on while he's doing this. I'm sure he could have asked another... I'm sure there are other, like, exolinguists on yeah, the ship, think but that maybe part of her background is in that maybe maybe the the unknown part of uh also maybe she's the only one on the crew who's willing to put up with picard's shit when he could have just memorized it phonetically (laughs) maybe that sounds more likely could be and maybe that's why she does this because deanna troy insists that picard go unwind on the holodeck maybe she's feeling guilty yeah i think she's just trying to get rid of him She's That's like, a good point. she's basically like, fuck this shit. This We've been dr- at this for Listen, Baldy, hours. Get your ass to the holodeck. I swear to God. I'm going to smack a bitch. And that's what he does. He yeah. goes to the holodeck and and is going to have a lovely time unwinding before he has to give this speech. This is when we discover that you really ought to change before you go on the holodeck because you'll get made fun of by the holodeck people. So he goes in there. He he gets kissed by some lady who wants to hire him to No, he... Her. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You forget. He steps into the set of a Dixon Hill mystery. His oh. favorite grizzled 1940s San Francisco detective. Sorry. Yes. Uh... Big yeah. Goodbye is the first Dixon Hill episode, so this is basically uh, 1930s noir. This is Picard's, this is Picard's hero, we're told. Yeah, his, oh, ha- his hard-boiled detective that he read when he was a kid, apparently. He gets kissed, he looks out a window, the view out the window is drastically different in the close-up than it is in the rest of the shots. Isn't he French? Wouldn't it be great if he, if his, if he stepped onto like a Petit Prince story? Like a little <laughs> Prince story? That'd be oh, awesome. Oh, the Little Prince. They did a movie of that recently. Like, 
probably yeah, yeah I don't was, know I think it was pretty bad I just want to see Picard on that little planet with the prince <laughs> yeah he's so great I remember watching the animated little prince on Knowledge Network that's what it would be like it would be Picard and then the prince would be animated for forever. you Americans in the audience <laughs> uh, sorry Cartoon Network They're, never mind the USA Network sure yeah 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 with the USA Cartoon Express that's the one the train thing yeah exactly yeah 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 we didn't have that here in Canada. No, we only saw when we went on vacation as exactly. kids to the States. We needed cartoons. Whenever I went to Hawaii, that was like my favorite part about going to Hawaii. Not being on a tropical island. The no. USA Cartoons. American Express. Cartoons. Shit, yeah. That train TV show. Pawpaw Bears. We didn't have that shit here. Thanks, Hanna-Barbera. What's wrong with Canada? Fuck you. Anyways, Star Trek. Yeah, um, I've heard of that show. <laughs> yeah. So... Picard gets kissed by this lady on the holodeck. She leaves a lot of really sloppy lipstick on him, like it's embarrassing. Uh, and then he leaves, opening credits, and then we return to the show, and Picard has basically called the bridge it's staff so together <laughs> to tell them about this rad new video game. Guys, guys, you'll never guess what I was doing. I wanted this thing called the holodeck. It's amazing. And I think everybody else in the room is kind of like stifling laughter because he's like the last person on the ship to ever try this yeah totally you know because yeah. i mean i'm pretty sure that the holodeck I, isn't brand new like it can't be fellows i played this game called the super mario brothers <laughs> it was incredible my goodness you hit these blocks and powering up items appear out of them and you can play with a friend two players <laughs> remarkable my goodness so that, the whole meeting kind of had a felt of feeling of that, and then <laughs> it was he so great. He was he's the, just super jazzed about it too. Really, like he really I mean, was. He's like geeking out about it hard, and it's it's awesome. So they have some like they actually were meeting about I, I guess again about his speech basically. Ba weep grana weep nilibon. Ba weep grana weep nilibon. For a couple seconds. Yeah, like he 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 goes on and on about this holodeck thing for quite some time, and then he's like, "Oh yeah, the reason I called this meeting is because of the Herodans." So anyway, who wants to go to the holodeck with me? <laughs> yeah. Well, that no, that's a that's that's great. Like we, I forgot. While he's talking about this, Doctor Crusher gets up and like wipes the lipstick off his face, and oh yeah, they're much too close. Everyone at the meeting has to be looking at them, going, "Oh yeah, Captain Picard, Doctor Crusher." Because at this stage in season one, they're really pushing the Picard Crusher romance hard. And this is a big episode for that. So she gets up and she's like being all kind of cutesy with Picard and wiping the uh, lipstick, wiping the lipstick off of his face. And Picard basically invites her on a date. Dr. Crusher, Beverly, you should come with me to the holodeck. And she gets all like, she's all like, oh, Captain, I would love to go to the holodeck with you. That is not at all how Gates McFadden delivers her lines. But that's how I'm doing it. Yeah. And then immediately, Picard is like, oh yeah, and let's invite the 20th century historian. <laughs> and Data. Uh, well, Data invites himself later. Oh, sorry. But she's like, let's invite the 20th century historian that we have on board. The, uh, the expert in fiction, Waylon. And she's just like, great. And like her face just drops like, she's oh. like fucking cock blocked for the rest of the meeting. She's kind of cold. She's <laughs> like, you know. He, he wet blanketed it before it even started. <laughs> oh, Picard, why did you invite a third wheel? And then a fourth wheel invited himself. Yeah, Data and Jordy are walking down the hall talking about uh, about the meeting and how Picard didn't want to... Like, Data kept trying to bring up 
you know, the last time the Federation encountered the Harada, terrible things happened. Shouldn't we watch that, like, video? Yeah. And Picard's like, I don't need to see that. And Data doesn't understand. And Geordi's like, listen, once you've seen that shit, you don't need to see it again. And then they immediately move on to the Dixon Hill bit. And What, what do you think happened? Like, I mean, these are insect people, right? I, like, I'm, I Presumably, they just, like, destroyed that ship that uh, they met or whatever. Uh, no, no. You know what they probably did? I don't know. I bet they're like those horrible wasps. They probably boarded the oh, ship. Zombie wasps. Yeah, they probably yeah. boarded the ship and laid their young into every member of the crew. I'm really glad. That and then they all of, died cause, cause that's in what horror. I was too. Exactly. Well, yeah. You know, we are on the same page. Yeah, I know. Oh man, we never see these people. Maybe they are. I like know. We never see the Harodans. I mean, we get to hear them, and they sound kind of prissy. Like they don't sound threatening. They just sound like kind of. It's like, always the ones you least. They sound like dickwads. Hey, well, you know. The conversation in the hall turns to Sherlock Holmes versus Dixon Hill. This kind of incites Data to look into Dixon Hill and then invite himself along on the big goodbye. Also, it appears to be very cold aboard the Enterprise because Data's nipples are at full attention. This is something we've been noticing, and we've been commenting about it amongst ourselves as we watch these. We haven't really talked about it much on the show here. I don't want to talk about Data's nipples in every episode, no. but we could we could because they they are prominently featured in every episode of season one and season two i'm really looking forward to when we get to season three and they have like yeah, the tunics that are no longer made of lycra and we no longer have to see how cold it is aboard the ship they can't get here soon enough yeah because wow i've seen enough of data's nipples to last me a lifetime now mm-hmm. we get to the holodeck picard and Waylon and Data shows up and he's like, I'd like to come along too, sir. I'm fully versed. And they're like, all right. The doctor hasn't shown up yet, but they decide to go in anyway and the doctor can catch up. They get picked up for murder, like right away. So with three with three players, does does it go like split screen, like four <laughs> quadrants? Uh, alas, no. Uh, this is virtual reality, basically. Oh, so. right. Sorry. So they're, they're all in the same boat. You and I have had long discussions about the feasibility of the way the holodecks work. Spoiler, it's not feasible. It's totally not. And we've come up with various scenarios for how they could do it. Like, yeah. I, I came up with the idea of, like, virtual holodecks within holodecks. Like, the holodeck, once they, each of them is in there, is blocking each person off in his own virtual holodeck so that it only has to worry about the eyeline of that one person. It's the, the fact that no matter how you slice it, they're still in some confined physical space, and mm-hmm. it doesn't appear here to be confined and that's all well and good except you've got multiple people in it with multiple different points of perspective and yeah i don't know if it can be done it can in a way done. that's truly immersive i i'd love to hear it the matrix is a much more matrix is way easier to pull off yeah, yeah exactly the matrix or you know just individual hollow pods that you walk into and then the hollow pods are networked together that would work anyways you don't want to hear us wax poetic about the intricacies of holodeck technology no you guys discuss it amongst yourselves yeah you know oh. get back to us what do you think about it mm-hmm. we're not really interested but tell us anyways i'm interested sort of okay not I, really I'm, uh, well i kind of am i actually am really interested why won't people talk to me about star trek why is it only you i'm talking right now i know i need more <laughs> we talked about we played the star trek vcr board game for your birthday like just a few days ago <laughs> i know we'll put that episode up soon uh by the way yeah. everybody we recorded a special episode of us 
playing the Star oh. Trek The Next Generation interactive VCR board game. Hey, way to tease that on an episode that'll happen that after. we'll be listening to yeah. after they listen yeah, to this that This episode one. will come out after, uh, but... Sweet. <laughs> awesome. Oh. It doesn't have we're to, We're fucking actually. with the timeline here. It doesn't have to. We're masters of time. We can do whatever we want. That's right. I control this shit. Yeah. Um, maybe we should talk about this episode a little. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, they go they go into the holodeck, and then the Haradan probe probes the Enterprise and fucks their shit up. It sure does. Yeah, this is the first malfunctioning holodeck episode, of which there are many. <laughs> yeah, it becomes a favorite scenario so much so that it became a gag yeah. on uh, on Futurama. This is a full blown like Star Trek trope. Yeah, the holodeck malfunctions and the safety protocols, which they don't mention directly, are disabled. Yeah, uh, I think those safety protocols finally get brought up in season two in the Moriarty episode. Don't they mention them in the, like the very in Firepoint? I uh, thought. I don't think so because we only we don't see much of the holodeck in Firepoint. No. Only that one scene with uh, with Data and Wesley. Wesley falling in the water. Yeah, but uh, they I don't think they mentioned the safety protocols at all. Okay, never mind. But the point is that all of a sudden the guns that all the, the computer-generated gangsters have are real. And good for shooting. Our history and fiction expert gets like, oh, you're never gonna find it, see? Give me the gun, see? And then he gets shot. And he's like, I've been shot, see? I thought this was fake, see? He's, he's, he's studied up in how to how to speak in 20th century lingo. <laughs> that is, those aren't his lines at all. That's maybe just how I remember them. Fair enough. I'm dying, see? He takes two to the chest, and then he's on the floor, slowly bleeding out. If only there were a trained Starfleet medical officer around. Oh, there is. Hooray. At this point, they discover they're trapped in the holodeck. They can't call for the arch. They can't get out. What are they going to do? They're in a virtual city. It doesn't occur to them to take him to the fucking virtual hospital. Well, I don't understand. Like, they're like, what are we going to do? I'm like, take him to the hospital. Well... It's the 1940s uh, or 30s. I mean, it's yeah. better than nothing. Okay, it's true. But the- I will take a hospital in the 1930s over bleeding to death on a floor any day. Uh, yeah, but the, the 24th century medical bay would have been better. Well, yeah. Not getting shot in the first place would have been better. That would but, have been a you know, course of action. I'm just saying that obviously the course of action they should have taken was, okay, we're trapped on the holodeck, we can't get out, how are we going to save this guy? Well, maybe he just couldn't be moved. I think the writer just wasn't thinking about it. I think also they wanted to shoot the rest of the episode in that one room. Yeah, this must have been a really cheap episode to produce because the entire episode pretty much takes place on one set. Although, there is a brief interlude at the police station before this, and I bring this up because in episode 7 of our podcast, we talked about Uh. how... We had never seen gum in Next Gen. And this episode has proved us wrong. Because in this episode, Dr. Crusher is given gum. I think that proved our point, though. Oh, yeah, no, no. Like, but what we said was, you and I said that we had never seen gum in Next Gen. Yeah, we speculated they don't have it on the Enterprise. Yeah, but I... but uh, Or, sorry, in the 24th century, no one chews gum. Well, I thought we were saying that neither of us had seen an example of bubblegum in okay, Next okay. Gen. And we were wrong. There is an example of bubblegum in Next Gen. But it does prove that in the 24th century, they don't have chewing gum anymore. Crusher doesn't even know what to do with it. Yeah, she chews it and she swallows it. Rookie move. Oh, and also, even, even perhaps even more alarmingly... Earlier nope. in the episode, Picard, oh, when Picard shows up in his captain's uniform in, in 1940s Dixon Hill, San Francisco, someone says to him, why are you dressed like a bellhop? Is it Halloween or something? And he's like, Halloween? What's that? <laughs> what? Not only is there no bubblegum in the 24th century, there's no Halloween either. 
Ladies that. and gentlemen, I am never going to the 24th century. That's that a place sucks. That's a bummer. Honestly, I mean, I would assume that the living would envy the dead at that point. I would. When exactly do when exactly do Riker and Picard dress up in their Star Wars outfits? I can't even imagine. How did Halloween fall out of fashion? What happened? So do you think would you think Worf would go with or against character at, at the Star Wars costume party? Would he dress up as Chewbacca? He or could. would he would you would, would uh, Data would you just dress Data up as C three PO? Seems so obvious, but it does seem obvious. But you know yeah. what? What's that? If Data's C three PO then Jordy has to be R2-D2. Of course, yeah. Absolutely. Unless you get Christopher Pike around. <laughs> uh, original series joke. Yeah. Check it. Who, I like this. The TNG be? Star Wars. Yeah, the TNG Star Wars crossover. Um, who, who's, uh, yeah. who's Riker going to be? Is he, is he Han Solo? He would obviously cast himself as Han Solo, yes. But you know... You know, here's what I'm thinking. He might cast himself as Han Solo, or certainly he probably cast himself as Han Solo. You know who I think he would he would suit better? Who's that? Lando. Someone's got to play Lando, and yeah. we didn't give it to the black guys, so. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but, you know, Riker is the ladies' man of Next Gen, and Han Solo, badass that he is, he's not what you would call a ladies' man. You know, all like, right. you know, Princess Leia's all digging on him and stuff and pretending not to, uh-huh. but... You know, we don't see a lot of game from Han Solo. We see plenty of game from Lando Calrissian. Gotcha. Yeah. Lando Calrissian's all like, "What's your name, Leia?" Wait, 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 wait a second. So you're saying Riker has the most game? Do you not remember when he sat <laughs> <right>. down <laughs> with Guinan? Do you want me to recite that entire thing to you no. right now? Because I will. It's okay. I believe you. All right then. Okay. So case closed. Okay, you win that one, but subtle dig at Star at Star Wars and their lack of female characters. But mm. What are we gonna have the female characters from TNG? Who are they gonna be? Because they're gonna have to go cross gender. Well, they could, Probably. or they could just each one of them could be Leia in a different costume. Oh, that's so lame. That though. is. That's lame. what happens at every Star Wars party, and it sucks. Although it's sweet seeing a lot of Leias running around. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, hmm. Let me think. Uh, I would. You know what? Yeah. I'm going to make uh, Tasha Yar Han Solo. Yeah, I like that. That's yeah. a good call. Tasha Yar is Han Solo. She's more Lukish, though. Well, her hair is more Lukish, okay, but yeah. she's way more badass. All right. She She's an ass kicker. So who's Luke? Picard? No, no. Luke, uh, we can no, give it to Wesley. Wesley. It's Wesley. Wesley's whiny enough. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. So uh, Wesley is Luke. Yeah. Uh, Picard will be Obi-Wan. Oh, of course. Because he's the sage, uh, sure. the, the sage wise old man. Dr. Crusher can be... Hmm. We're running out of characters. Grand Moff Tarkin. <laughs> no. no. Um, oh, uh, Mon Mothma. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, they're both redheads, but Mon Oh, Mothma... no, no. Akbar. <laughs> Akbar. Yeah. She's red. He's red. Yeah. They, they, they could, could do, could do, know. could do. Yeah, that's the problem, right, is... Uh, we run out of characters because Star Wars, cool as it is, is a very limited palette of Fear characters. Principles, yeah. Well, it's three, uh, three movies. Or Deanna. Could she be Yoda? Annoying <laughs> she's, accent. She's not wise enough to be Yoda. <laughs> Annoying accent and emotional uh, intuitiveness and understanding and, you know, kind of vague uh, mind-reading kind of powers like I the Force. I guess it kind of works. I love Yoda, though. I know. I don't love Troy. I know, but... Fine, whatever. We still haven't figured out Worf. Like, is, is, are we making Worf Chewbacca? Well, if not, know. then who? 
Vader? Vader. Yeah, yeah it could be Vader. Vader. It's be severe enough, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Got yeah. the deep voice. Yeah, yeah, that, that's pretty good, I guess. He, he, he could take off hands, no problem. Oh, and we'll bring in, like, we need someone really tall for Chewbacca in this. We'll just bring in Mr. Hom. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Hom could be Chewbacca. Yeah, okay. Although Riker's really tall, too. Well, Riker can only be one character. Yeah, exactly. Riker's Lando. Um, did we beat that to death yet? Yeah, I think it's dead. Okay. I'm calling it. All right, we didn't cast the Emperor, but whatever. What were we talking? Oh yeah, they're still so they're the still. Emperor in... would be Admiral Quinn. Oh, I hate Admiral Quinn. Exactly. Fine. Admiral Quinn coming soon, by the way. A couple more episodes. Can't wait for him to die. Mm-hmm. Where were we? Oh yeah, that guy's shot now. He's shot, and it's so riveting that we had to have a Star Wars Star Trek costume party. Honestly, this episode goes by so fast because yeah. nothing happens. Nothing this happens. Is... Nothing of consequence happens yeah, in this episode. We meet some other characters from the Dixon Hill storyline who we'll never, basically never see mm-hmm. again. Um, there definitely seems to be some major league romance brewing between Picard and the uh, the lieutenant that is Dixon Hill's friend. Are you saying that's romance or is it just hardcore romance? I'm going romance. Thanks. So. Like I that like yeah, that guy's got a wife and kids at home, but I think that they're basically his beard. Sure. I'm pretty sure that that like just, the long the long looks at each other, the It's on the DL, like Yeah, well, like, it's the 30s. It wasn't as uh, accepted right. back then, you know? Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. it was unenlightened times when, you know, loving someone could be a sin cuz that makes sense. It's pretty edgy. For, yeah. Uh, oh, well, TV show from 1988. Indeed, indeed. But I mean, there it is. Uh, I'm saying that there's something happening between Dixon Hill and that character. Sure. And whether Picard's caught in the crossfire of that or not, I don't know. This was his favorite story as a child. You know, mm-hmm. Maybe he never read into it at that level yeah, as, yeah. A, as a naive young boy. Could be. Or Could maybe be. he did. Or, you know, maybe it just never occurred to him because in the 24th century, it's so accepted that no one even cares. Exactly. 24th century, progressive as yeah. fuck. Maybe. Exactly. Oh, and the, okay, the other, I guess, important thing for continuity and larger big picture Star Trek stuff is that the two two of the characters from the holodeck walk off yeah they they exit the holodeck th- uh, thinking they'll be able to just leave <clears throat> and then we see concrete evidence that characters from the holodeck cannot exist outside of the holodeck yeah they kind of disintegrate in kind of an unimpressive way it looks like the transporter effect a, a, kind a of lo-fi feet, version of yeah, it feet first yeah and they just kind of disappear from the the feet up also apparently for some reason the holodeck has two exits despite the fact that holodecks only have one entrance and exit uh, again I think we're supposed to think that's just the manipulation of the space within that there's really only one exit yeah but if there was on, if there was only one exit then the people that had rescued them that got the holodeck working and opened the door would have been right outside that door well, because that's where they were working well let's just say it could work if it was the matrix there are there are a number of continuity issues happening in I this episode yeah. in terms of spatial reality of the ship and inside the holodeck as well like at one point Picard looks out the window he's in he's on the third floor of this building and when he looks out the window he's basically at street level immediately outside his window is a street light yet when we look out the window from just the long shot of the room no street light and across the street directly is another building Oh, okay. So basically, that's the end of the holodeck adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, and Picard now, clad in his suit, in, in his yeah, with his fedora. Yeah, goes onto the bridge and without a script. Yep. You know, without a teleprompter or anything, gets up and recites the greeting to the Haradan. Ba weep grana weep ninibon. Ba weep grana weep ninibon. Nails it. Yep. Swish. Nothing but net. 
guess what? He memorized it phonetically. <laughs> yeah, apparently. And apparently he managed to do it without without any more sessions of memorizing because he was trapped on the holodeck this whole time. Yeah, he didn't have time to prepare or stress about it. And he yeah. just went out and, uh, he and just just knocked delivered it the out of the park. So there it is. We've covered the events of the big goodbye. What would you like to talk about now? I got this really great communicator badge from Quantum Mechanics. It is pretty rad. I'm kind of jealous. I've got it on my cardigan right now, and I love it. It's great. It's held on by a magnet. I got it for my birthday. I'm 35 now, y'all. I think your pin is looks looks good, and um, yeah, you should be you should be proud. It looks good, and you should feel good. I do feel good. And the thing about it is, like, the pin is so much nicer than what they're actually wearing in the show. Because we checked out a screen used uh, communicator badge yeah. today, and man, when you actually get up close and personal with those things, they are not very nice. Like, well, they were they were cast out of resin, and they're they. They thought that was the best. Is they attached to the uniforms using strips of Velcro? Yeah, yeah. Like who knew? Like yeah. they're they're not pinned on or anything. Not they're Velcroed onto those suits. That's what's happening there. And like you said, they're basically a hundred percent engineered to look good on camera. And, yeah, because they look like crap up close. Yeah, like you can see, like they're they're hand painted. The Delta Triangle thing yeah. has like the sides of it are painted black. Oh, and I, then... I'm sorry. You mean the symbol of Starfleet? Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's called the Delta something. The I Delta think. something. I, hey, listen. You know what? I don't know the name of it either. Kiss the fattest part of my ass. All right, it's, fine. It's this part right here. Done. But yeah, uh, it's it's kind of interesting the difference between props and replicas because props are often not as pretty as replicas are because replicas are made to look like we expect them to look in real life, you know. Whereas props are made to look okay on the show, but oftentimes there are multiple versions of props. Like there's the prop that they just wear around, and then there's the hero version of the prop, which is like the really nice one for close-ups and stuff. For things like the tricorder and stuff, there'll be a prop that just opens up and it's got nothing. And then for close-ups, there'll be one with lights and stuff. Yeah, they're not even always at the same scale either. Yeah, yeah. And this is something that I've been noticing. The holsters that they wear, in at least in season one. Oh, for their phasers and tricorders? Yeah, for phasers and tricorders are yeah. really poorly designed, especially the phaser ones. Because without fail, every time they have to draw a phaser yeah. or tricorder from it, you'll want, if you watch them, they have to grip the holster with one hand... And and then yeah. grab the phaser or tricorder out with the other because it's either in so snugly or whatever that it can't be removed easily. So for phasers, they can't do a quick draw. Like they actually, they have to look down at their hip, grab the holster, and then wrench the phaser out of it it's in order to ideal. draw. That's really yeah. less than ideal. How are those holsters supposed to work? Are they are they a, a belt that they put on on top? They are in later episodes, like in season three and beyond. The Starfleet uniform includes a belt. It's just a black belt that you don't really see. Like, it's okay. designed to fit in with the slacks. You don't see the buckle or anything. But in season one where people are wearing a Lycra one-piece jumpsuit, yeah. do you think they're wearing... They have to... If they want to have a... Uh, if they want holsters, they have to switch jumpsuits? I don't know. I think... Well, I'm sure, like, in real in real world terms... Right. That's exactly what's happening. They have to wear the uh, the costume that has the... Uh, oh, that, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, that has the uh, holster attachment. Because uh-huh. I think the holster is probably not unlike the communicator badge, probably held on by Velcro. Ah, uh, yes, of course. Sorry. Yeah. Or, if it's not, and it might not be because the prop might be too heavy for Velcro. That, I guess, is what I was thinking. But if, I, if it's, I don't know. If it's too heavy for Velcro, I, I imagined it. it's probably kind of like... like stitch it on or something? 
either that or riveted. Oh wow! Like they just might have measured where it goes on the hip, put a put a little backer on the inside, and just rivet it through, and that would be how they would do it. Like that's how I would do it. Right. If I if I were a costumer. Yeah, it's certainly not as good as having a belt to put this thing on. In later seasons, do we ever see them actually put on the belt? No, no, you never see the belt as a separate piece. Except and as far as I know, like, you don't even see a buckle or anything. It's just... No, I mean, they don't have zippers or buckles in the 21st mm-hmm. century. We're, I was going to say, I think the only case where we see a lot of belts and stuff is in the uh, the alternate the alternate future with Yesterday's Enterprise. Yeah, because they have a belt buckle on their belt at that point. Totally. And they have, like, sa- like basically, like, harnesses for their weapons there. Yeah. Because I guess shit's more serious. Yeah. And looking at the uh, the weapons, too, like the, the phasers, there are two types of phaser in the Star Trek next-gen universe. Is two, two types of phasers called Type 1 and Type 2. Yeah. Yes. And uh, it's, is the Type 1 phaser the smaller one? I, I believe think. so. Yeah. The Type 1 phaser is wee. The like, I mean, yeah. it fits comfortably in the palm of your hand. So small, in fact, that you can barely see it when people are using it. Like, there's just a little bit peeking out between the uh, the forefinger and the thumb when you're holding it. Looks a little bit like a keynote remote that you would mm-hmm. use if you were giving, like, a PowerPoint presentation. Yeah, yeah. And then there's the Type 2 phaser, which is, like, this kind of big clonky thing like, like it a looks dustbuster yeah like, the 80s. A, like a like a dustbuster had sex with a remote control sure yeah and it's funny because i remember having the toy of that thing that playmates put out <laughs> shit was huge yeah it was big and clunky but it looked like i mean i thought it looked like the phaser as a kid but if you look at it now and you compare it to the one in the show they'd look nothing alike this is the uh, Playmates line? Yeah, the Playmates line had a... It was very angular. Yeah. But if you look in the show, it's just round and smooth. Yeah. Like, there are no angles on it at all. And the toy, you, the toy was like a box. Yeah, yeah. And if you look at it, if you look at them up close, they're just... They're very plain and weird. And they, they don't look very good at all. And uh, <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about the Playmates communicator pin. Oh, God. The Playmates communicator badge. That was awful. That thing was yeah. huge. It's, like, it's the size of a side plate. Yeah, it's, uh, like, a, it's like as big as a CD. Bigger, uh, <laughs> I would say. Um, because yeah. it's got to have the uh, the batteries in it, right? And, with with light-up light action. And, of course, sound. back in the uh, early 90s, putting sounds into a toy was a nightmarish kind of thing to do because they didn't have like solid state tiny memory the way we do today is that why it was so big or was it just they wanted like something that could fit double a batteries into it i think it's both i think that the speaker the batteries and the fact that they had to put well actually no like (laughs) the sound wouldn't have even been a recording because it was midi basically like they they just had like a chip in there that made midi tones didn't even sound like the actual communicator badge sound Here's a, here's a video project for uh, you ambitious After Effects mavens out there, or video editing people. I would do this myself if I wasn't lazy and knew how. Um, <laughs> basically, just take a scene of Star Trek and then clip in the Playmates communicator badges onto the characters' chests. <laughs> you see them, like, trying to touch them? Because they'd be, like, basically the size of, like, Riker's peck. He's wearing <laughs> yeah. a thing that's that. Yeah, like, that's how big his badge is. One peck would be filled with yeah. this thing. I think that would look great. And, and for funny. some reason, it, lighted, it lit up, too. Yes, it did. Yeah. That was that was an odd choice. And yet another reason why I think the Galoob line was far superior to the Playmates line. Oh, if only it hadn't petered out in season one. <laughs> I don't even think it petered out. It just kind of died suddenly. You know, it was it was like the Ultimate Warrior who died today suddenly. Oh, shout out. Sorry, Ultimate Warrior. Enjoy your trip back to Parts Unknown. Now I'm sad. Now I'm sad too. Ah, oh, our youth. You know. It keeps dying. 
the ultimate warrior almost hit his heyday at about the same time as this episode aired yeah, yeah. like that's weird to think yeah. about round about this time would be when he gave that like crazy go nuts speech about how hulk hogan needed to take well, control of the plane wrestlemania 6 was 1990 in skydome mm-hmm. so this episode we said was like january 89 i believe yeah so we're a year ahead yeah. So just think about that when you're watching season two. That while you're enjoying Riker's the first appearance of Riker's beard, the Ultimate Warrior was out there kicking ass and taking the championship away from Hogan. Like Hogan. It Hulk Hogan. Yeah, it was yeah. it was Hulk Hogan. I remember actually we're gonna get off topic here, sorry. Um, <laughs> like the rest of this episode is so <laughs> on point. Listen, we've earned it, all right? <laughs> sure. <laughs> we totally we, covered the big goodbye. There's nothing more you could want to know about it. Okay, so, and one of the tragic things is that on WrestleMania over the weekend, Ultimate Warrior was inducted into the Wrestling Hall of Fame, like, basically the day yeah. before he died. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad so, that we both independently know this. Yeah, neither of us really watch wrestling. Yeah, well, I, uh, I, I was just aware of it. Like, I don't okay. really watch wrestling, but I have some respect for wrestling, and sure, yeah, yeah. I remember it fondly from my childhood. Right. But it reminded me, I remember watching the very first Wrestlemania. What, like WrestleMania 1? Yeah, WrestleMania 1. Was that I, like 83? No, it was 85. Oh, it was it? It actually came out... Oh, uh, duh, WrestleMania 6 was 1990. Yeah, WrestleMania yeah, okay. 5 aired about uh, three days before my sixth birthday. I, I, I remember. I remember that. I remember because we I watched it at my uncle's house on pay-per-view. Yeah. And I remember because I got presents. You got presents? Like WrestleMania presents? Well, no, no, well, no, just birthday presents because oh, my oh, birthday so. was in a couple of days because it it, it, it it aired on like March 31st. I'm sorry, you said it was your birthday, but you also said it was WrestleMania. So quite logically, I just assumed this was the start of some tradition where every year you got presents on WrestleMania. <laughs> I always get WrestleMania presents is the best. Yeah, it's so great. Yeah, but yeah, so it, it aired literally two days before my birthday, right? right? So we I was over with my cousins at my uncle's house watching Wrestlemania 1. Awesome. Granted, at this time, you know, I was only mildly into wrestling. Like, I just started. Because this was, like, just the beginning of the rock and wrestling era. You know, when they so, were... Yeah. With that, the crossover between WWF and MTV, basically, as a marketing... And Mr. T. Yeah, yeah. Mr. T was there. Um, there was this thing I'm where, like... Giant. Andre the Giant was going to have to retire, I think, if he lost this body slam competition. And if he won the body slam competition, he was going to get a bunch of money or something. I don't remember. I was, like I say, I was going to be six in a couple of days. I also remember, like, it was around about this time or shortly thereafter that the the wrestling figures came out remember those big those big chunky yep. rubbery things? they're the big ones and then the little yeah. ones that you put your finger yeah in the, the thumb wrestlers oh right yeah, those were thumb. cool yeah it's a th- finger because they yeah they were they were for specifically thumb wrestling you put it on your thumb and then you you thumb wrestled with your friend but now your thumb was a wrestler instead of a <laughs> fuck is that really what you're supposed to do with them I you don't... didn't know that i never owned them but my friends oh, had them i can't believe you didn't know that that's like you not understanding giant man shut up <laughs> shut up anyways yeah my parents took me down to sears the day that the wrestling figures came out yeah you know like because i guess my mom had been calling to find out when they would and Sears doesn't really have much of a toy department. They, even even today, their toy department is minuscule and tucked away. Bro, you go to any store now, it seems like the toy department is geared to more towards 35-year-olds than it is children. It's true. Like, it's kind of weird. I don't know what kids do anymore. Look at porn, I guess. <laughs> they're, they're, they're too busy on the internet to play I don't toys. Know. I don't know what's happening. I don't know. But yeah, uh, so I remember going there, and I really wanted Hulk Hogan. Uh, because he was the hero. And I also, my parents made a lot of fun of me 
because as a six-year-old, I had gotten it into my head. I had misheard his name. I didn't know what the term sheik meant or was. So instead of calling him the Iron Sheik, I yeah. called him the Iron Quiche. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that became a running gag in my family for for a number of years. The Iron the Quiche. Iron Quiche. That's an awesome name. I don't know, right? Quiche is great. But yeah, uh, those toys were funky. I liked them. No no posability at all. They were just... No, they're just big lumps <laughs> of plastic. Yeah, just big lumps yeah. of rubber, really, you know, because like, they're... Like, well, they're, you know, they're rough and tumble. You could, like, throw yeah, them Yeah, like, you get that, that giant wrestling ring toy. Oh, really? I, yeah, I never had it. My, uh, my, my little cousin had it, but he lived... No, I really only was aware of wrestling through other friends who were into it. I didn't really know what was going on. I knew who Hulk Hogan was. <laughs> I remember, like, yeah, I kind of, like, there was Hulk Hogan, Mr. T, Bigfoot Mr. the Monster Truck. Mr. T wasn't really in wrestling. He only made an appearance at WrestleMania 1. I, I know. I'm just sort of, like, talking about icons of the day. Mm. Now that I fully understood what they were. I'm just, yeah. I, I, I mean, I knew Mr. T better than the others because, of course, I liked the A-team. Yeah. But I, what was up with Bigfoot the Monster Truck? Why, why did people like that? I don't know. Monster Trucks were a weird kind of phenomenon in the early 80s. But the, the, like the pop culture crossover of Bigfoot specifically. Yeah, I don't get it. Uh, I mean, he, like people, he was even in like a cartoon show. Yeah, that's what, that's yeah, what I mean. Yeah, yeah, he was on, a, what was it? Uh, like Mr. T had a breakfast cereal. I'm pretty sure Bigfoot might have had one at one point. Like, I'm, why, sure, I'm why, sure he what, must have. What, but there was, there was a, uh, a video, an animated series that was part of a video game TV show hosted by a guy named Johnny Arcade. Yeah, okay. And I can't remember the name of the show. So that air on the USA Cartoon Express. He wasn't on the USA. Train it was, show. This, was, this aired here on KSTW on the TV Network? 11. Oh, no, probably on it. Um, That's, okay. But, yeah, it was, all the, it was all basically the off-brand video game characters. Like, this animated series had, let's see, it had Bayou Billy. There was a cartoon of that? It wasn't specifically a Bayou Billy cartoon. Like, this cartoon starred our character Johnny Arcade and then several video game characters all together. Not unlike Captain and the Game Master with a a mix of characters. They had Bayou Billy, Bigfoot the Monster Truck. Bigfoot had a video game, that's uh, right. That tomato guy. Okay. Yeah, tomato guy. Like a guy, I can't remember his name. He had like he had sunglasses, and I think he had a mohawk. Fido Dido, the noise. No, it wasn't. Uh, Fido Dido. And I'm sure there was another one too. And, oh, yeah. We're really, oh, really on topic. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're we're sorry, everybody. Let's um, uh, let's get back to Star Trek. Let's get back to Star Trek. Um, so so if there were still pro wrestling in the 24th century, mm. do we have any reason that there? I mean, we uh, what do we really know about entertainment in the 24th century? We know nothing about entertainment. We know Media. Riker. We know Riker likes watching ladies play the harp. Yeah, he's digging that but is that like do you think that was like a video or is that a program i don't know like is that like the equivalent of like purchasing an album like he just picked up like uh, i don't know like is that like the the equivalent of picking up like a the new tegan and sarah or whatever like maybe because man that music sucked like that wasn't even good harp music how do you know that Whatever. Because I've heard harp music before. No, you, your tastes are tuned to 21st century harp music. This is particularly the 24th century. It was so... Okay, well, whatever. I, I, we, I don't think we can judge the artistic merits of what he was... Well, no, we can't. It was I think I think we totally can. Yeah, it was just... Uh, let's, be fair, let's, let's be real. You know, I mean, if we still, like, hold, like, Beethoven and Brahms and Bach in high regard, you know, over 100 years after... Sure. I think, I think it's safe for us to say that that was some shitty-ass harp music. But maybe it was pop music, which 
which doesn't have such a mm. which doesn't have such long lasting staying power in general. There, there are exceptions, of course. True. Maybe even, that maybe that's really even really. So it was so simplistic, though. Like I mean, it sounded like you know, like honestly, I think what he was watching there was more about the fact that the ladies were like winking at him. Yeah, and like keeping <laughs> seductively like, wild eye contact with him the entire time. Yeah. This is it's like basically 24th century porn has gotten super tame. It's super cheesecake. You know, like there, there's no nudity, no uh, no sexuality to it at all. It's just women in kind of daftness robes well, we, playing. He was harps. interrupted while he was watching it. Yeah, he, he hadn't we don't got, know where that was going. Yeah, though. he hadn't gotten to the good part yet. Okay, but again, that's what Riker seems to watch. But like, do you think other forms of current 20th, 20th, 21st century entertainment still exist? I bet wrestling still is still huge on. Uh, I bet on, wrestling in still the Klingon exists. Empire. Yeah, yeah, probably. It feels like a Klingon thing. Do you think Klingons have pro wrestling in the same way that Earthlings do? Like, I bet it's more fatal. Well, then it's not the same. Like, I think, I mean, I'm saying, sure, they're all about, like, gladiatorial combat. Mm. Although maybe they're not, because everybody just does that anyway. Maybe there's no entertainment. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe Klingons have opera. We know that. Yeah, and they like Shakespeare, so they're they're into, like, plays and stuff. They're into play. I bet you Klingons have a really badass roller derby. Oh, like rollerball. Yeah, where everyone dies. Like except for James Khan. Like, yeah. <laughs> the winner is the guy that's still alive at the end. Yes. Okay, yeah. uh, headcanon accepted. The Klingons play rollerball. Yep. Not shitty new rollerball, but classic 70s rollerball. Yeah, are you listening to Brennan Braga or whoever? Mm. Um, but what do they do on Earth? They don't play baseball anymore. They're just they really, play Parisi squares. Yeah, I think on Earth they're just really bored all the time. That's why they're sending what? starships out. Everywhere. But things are uh, things would appear to be awesome on Earth. There's about to be more time than ever for inane leisure activities. People should be able to come up with all sorts of creative ways to waste time. I'm sure they. Other. I'm sure they do. Well, how would you rank this episode? Well, the big goodbye. I know that it's considered by many to be a classic. Really? Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, because I think, and I'm going to say undeservedly so, yeah. uh, I think it's mostly nostalgia and the fact that it's the first Dixon Hill episode that people look back on it fondly. I'll tell you what, I don't care. I'm giving it an ensign. I thought it was terrible. That's totally fine. I, um, I'm right there with you, and I am going to give it a chief. Whoa, nice. All right. I didn't like this episode at all. I'm sorry. It just um, wasn't very entertaining. It didn't have. It didn't have. I mean, I was pleased to see Gates McFadden in some sweet '30s attire because she looked great. She did. But the rest of the episode, yeah, everything about this episode just kind of falls flat. Nothing makes sense. Apparently, if they turn off the holodeck, everyone inside could disappear. What? There, there also wasn't really any really good stuff to latch onto in terms. Yeah, of no one thought, hey, let's or... get a uh, let's get a crowbar and just jimmy the door open. Yeah. That never occurred to anybody, apparently. No. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, I'm gonna call it, uh, dumb all around. This okay. was a dumb episode. Totally agree. Such a downer. Sorry. Yeah. It's a chief. Enjoy it, Ensign. Uh, let's put this one to bed. Alright, so next week, what are we doing? Is it, uh, I, I, I looked it up and we were all excited about it. I forget what the next episode is. You can cut this out. Look it up. Okay. Get some Googling music. <laughs> you got the same pin number as I did. That's what I use. Exactly. Don't tell them what my pin number is. <laughs> I didn't even mean to look. I just I glanced down right when you were putting it in. I was like, that's my passcode. Shut up. Edit the shit out of this. Angel one. 
Angel One. Oh, it's the it's the the Lady Planet. Yeah, yeah. With more awesome clothes. All right, here we go. So coming up next week, it's Angel One, which is the the Lady Run Planet where uh, Lady Planet. We get to see Riker parading around all beefcakey with like this uh, <laughs> this shirt that we get to see a lot of Riker's fuzzy chest next week. So uh, uh, but, but, hold the phone. You? Uh, actually, it's Data Lore next. Oh shit! <laughs> Sorry about we'll, that. We'll restart this. So next week. It's data lore, so data we get, lore. Yeah, we get we finally get to meet lore, and we get to watch Brent Spiner chew the scenery when he's finally given a chance to emote. He plays his own brother. There are a lot of strange things to discuss in that episode, so I'm looking forward to that. A lot of inconsistencies. I love the sons of Soon. I can't wait for that episode when we get all three of them. Data, Lore, and Noonie and Soon. A-, a tour de force from Brent Spiner playing all three characters. I thought you were talking about the third android, the stupid <laughs> oh, thing from B4? the movie. Fuck yeah. That. Yeah, no. yeah. yeah. All right. Forgot to mention that. Forgotten. All right. So join us next time for Data Lore. This is Pags. I'm Foley. Have a good one. Ba weep grana weep ninibon. Ba weep grana weep ninibon.